When faced with a tough decision, put your emotions aside. Think victory thoughts and try to envision how you want to end up when the battle ends. Hello and welcome to episode 243, Under the Call of MS. This is going to be a MS Deep Dives episode. It's going to talk about a bunch of random MS-related things. I suppose the first thing that you'd want to do is find yourself a decent neurologist. So we'll start with that. Like different types of neurologists treat people living with MS. General neurologists often care for people with MS as well as others with stroke, Parkinson's, epilepsy, and other neurological disorders. But some neurologists focus on MS, and some MS specialists complete additional education focused on the disease. MS specialists might work in private practice or in regional MS centers. General neurologists practice in offices and clinics located in cities and communities across the country. Uh, Basically, I started out with a neurologist in one hospital environment, went to another neurologist in another hospital environment, then talked to another neurologist in another hospital environment, and now I am finally seeing an MS specialist myself, and it is a huge difference going from one to the next to the next thing. The regular neurologist, yeah, they do have some knowledge and can help you get set up on your DMDs and all that stuff, but they really can't answer all the detailed questions that you need answers for, that you're searching for. And a lot of times a standard neurologist may misdiagnose you or put you through other things or send you to other specialists and think that you don't have MS. A lot of them will do different types of methods of identifying the reasons that you're having, the conditions you are, the symptoms you are are having. But it's good to talk over with your neurologist and see how you two click and make sure it's someone that's going to listen to you. Don't sit there and waste your time with someone that's just going to Ignore what you have to say and treat you like you're an animal at a veterinarian clinic. Their finger up our bum and say, okay, you're good to go. You're better. (laughs) Uh, Just You got to definitely focus on it and see if you and them agree on certain things and make sure that they're there for you. Not that you're there for them to hear what they have to say. They're there to listen to you and hear your thoughts of things that you may have researched, what you may be considering using, and then give you ideas of other concepts and other things you can, methods you can do stuff with. And if they argue with you that, well, you're going to try and do this without medication or something like that, then go to another neurologist. A lot of the neurologists this day and age are finally waking up to the uh, concepts of different types of healthy things you can do to 
helps stay off, keep away, push away things that could come and attack you in the future. And they may or may not help, but they can offer you the different options you have and work with you on that instead of being against you and forcing things down our throats that we don't want or we aren't thrilled about trying or we've heard bad things about and want to go with different methods on things. So make sure you got a neurologist that listens to you. And if you don't leave, go get another neurologist and they're out there. It's not like it's going to really matter. Uh, The only downfall is the more you see, the more testing you might have to go through and the more stuff that you're going to end up with dealing with insurances and more bills you're going to have and all that. So do your research first. Uh, This day and age, we have the internet. You can search every doctor in your vicinity that has anything to do with multiple sclerosis or is just a neurologist. And you can see what their background is, see what they studied, see if they, what they took for side uh, things they learned on the side and stuff like that. Just research that. So I found three that I liked in our state a while back that I was considering. Never contacted any of them. And my last regular neurologist that wanted me to go see an MS specialist hooked me up with one of the three I had on my list. So that, I'm like, cool, I will go check them out. I will try it out. He's at a at a brain center, a neurological center, a specialty center. So that's nice. So you got the extra doctors around that specialize in other things that might be able to help you out with things. And it, a lot of them nowadays have nice physical therapy programs right in the buildings. They have their blood testing, all that stuff. So you don't have to go from building to building and get everything done. You can get it all done in one shot. But some things you can do to build a positive and collaborative relationship with your neurologist are make sure you you keep your appointment and show up on time or even better, get there early. I always show up a half hour early. And most times they'll get you in faster and get you in earlier if you can. Show up ahead of time. Right now with the COVID, things are a little bit more iffy because they're trying to get a lot of people in and they're doing it fast. So it's not like you got to wait a lot around forever. They'll get you in and out of there pretty quick So at most places. But besides being respectful of your doctor and others, this will help. Make sure you get the most from your time with your healthcare providers. Create and keep a list of new symptoms and issues you want to talk about, preferably by priority, and share that list at the beginning of your appointment. I write a list of things I want to talk to my doctor about every time I go to a doctor. I got tons of lists all over. I got probably a dozen notebooks laying around the house, constantly putting stuff in them, repeatedly putting stuff in them, and then pushing in before I have an appointment, going through them all and writing down everything on one list that I had in all my notepads and make sure I get the questions I want to have with me when I go there. But 90% of the time, 
I will look at the list while I'm there. I will go over stuff with the doctor and I will still forget to say certain things because of my stupid cognitive issues. But at least it helps me get some things out. And with our cognitive, people who have the cognitive problems, it's very good to keep notes about as much stuff as you can. In this day and age, you got tablets and your phones and computers and everything else. You can just keep your notes right in there. It's just, and I love things like my chart we have. Uh, there was another one that I used for a different company I went to. But my chart's basically a connection between you and your doctors. And every time I get a blood test or any other type of test, I get the results right there in my chart before I even get contact with my doctor to go over the results, which is nice. I can do my own research ahead of time, and then if I have any extra questions, I can bring them up with them. But know that you may only have 20 to 30 minutes with your neurologist or physician assistant. It's a good idea to raise the issues and questions that are most important to you first and bring up bring an up-to-date list of your current medications, allergies, other physicians, and any other medical issues so that your MS provider can be aware of them. I got a little booklet notepad that has all my medical information all in it. So when I go to places, I have that with me, and then I also write any questions I need along with it. So I have it all in one grouping. Uh, but not like I said with my chart, it, I can update my medications right on there. And they ask me, I just say, hey, everything's up to date. And the stuff they're looking at on their computer is the stuff that's from my chart anyways. So that works out perfect. And I don't have to sit there and go over my 900 medications that I'm taking and how often I'm taking and all that stuff. So that's a Another plus with having a my chart style system with your medical professionals, if you got that option, be honest about your symptoms and adherence or lack of to your medication. Talk about what you want out of life, even with MS, and about your mood and feelings. MS is a multifaceted disease with many complications. Your pro- your provider can't help with them if she or he does isn't aware of them so definitely let them know anything don't be afraid to to bring up sexual issues uh, bladder bowl issues all that stuff any anything they've heard it all before so it's they're not going to laugh at you they're not going to be surprised by it unless you have something really strange that might catch them off guard, but I can pretty much guarantee you they've heard just about anything you can come up with. I've came up with some pretty strange shit in the past couple of years, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> I know what you can do for that. So talk to them. Be open. Don't hide stuff. It's stupid to do it. It's just going to hurt you in the long run because it's issues you want to get fixed. And you can't fix them if you don't get them looked at. Be patient. MS is a complicated disease, and your doctor may need some time to understand your symptoms and help you better understand the state of your disease. 
It may take a few visits to get in sync and assess the relationship and fit. And yeah, with this whole COVID times and stuff, they're making their appointments even faster than they used to. So you're spending more time with the nurse before you see the doctor. And then the doctor comes in, elbow bumps you or whatever. And then you talk quickly and then they punch a few things up in the computer, give you a few ideas, maybe do a couple of walking tests and sensory test and then send you on your way. So it may take a few times to get all the questions out that you want, a few appointments and stuff. That's why I put the most important questions at the top of your list and work your way down as, as you can and get through what you can each appointment and then next appointment, get through some more stuff. And by then you'll have some more questions anyways, probably that you'll have added to that list. So yeah, take advantage of the time you have and be patient about it. It'll, It'll all work itself out. It's not like just not like we haven't been dealing with our disease for a long time. It's not going to go away. So as long as it doesn't aggressively progress and we focus on those things first, then we can work on the other things as we go. And most of us are used to living a life of complete and utter shit problems that keep happening and stuff. So not like a few more months of dealing with it before you get to talk to the doctor about it. it's going to kill us but might wipe us out a little bit but <laughs> focus on those important things the things that are killing are hurting you the most right now the things that you're dealing with the most problems with and get those out right away and then next appointment work on the next things just keep it up Work in collaboration with your neurologist to develop a treatment plan together that includes recommendations and prescriptions. Then follow that plan. That will help you provide assesses, assess, asses, asses, assess. That will help your provider assess your treatment's efficacy and address medication concerns or any side effects. It will also help your doctor prescribe additional health care services, such as physical therapy, psychological help, or mobility aids that will help you manage your MS. And if you don't think that part, that parts of your MS care are working for you, don't hesitate to raise questions or concerns with your doctor and let them know. That way, if you need to change some things around, you can, or But yeah, you got to realize that more than likely you're going to have to explore the possibility of being a shared patient of both your local neurologist and your MS specialist at a regional center for some people. And I'm good with my MS specialist right now. I don't need the extra neurologist. But if you have other conditions and stuff, you may need that. Uh, once you've identified a neurologist you'd like to see, you'll schedule a new patient visit. You will need to sign a waiver giving your current neurological neurologist permission to send your records to the new neurologist you're considering if you're worried 
that may result in an awkward conversation. Don't be because they, like I've said, they've seen it all and they've dealt with it all. So focus on that. Have a good connection with them. Make sure you all click. And if you don't click, then go on and check out another one. Find one that that you will click with and work with well. So, all right. Let's see. This. There was a thing back in 2017 to, to 2019. There was a thing going on with some scientists in the UK where they were trying to investigate whether multiple sclerosis may be detectable through a simple breath test. Uh, multiple sclerosis can be particularly can be a particularly difficult disease to diagnose, but researchers at the University of Huddersfield Center for Biomarkers Research, CBR in the United Kingdom, did some testing that analyzed a person's breath for biomarkers of the disease. Of the disease. Uh, when we breathe out, we exhale hundreds of volatile organic compounds, VOCs, many of which are originally produced in our bloodstream. As a result, these VOCs can often reveal details about physiological changes that are going on inside our bodies that would otherwise take much longer to be revealed through other forms of testing, which I never really thought of that. You know, you don't think about what's coming out of your system in your breath. And it's, that's kind of interesting how it, the VOCs are originally produced in our bloodstream. So it's like, yeah, you're going to be, you would think they'd be able to find like lymphocyte things, blood, blood related things, your different types of cells, your blood cells, you would think even T and B cells, you'd be able to see some stuff. Some type of biomarkers from that stuff, but yeah, a study back in 2017 showed evidence that MS may be leaving detectable biomarkers of the disease in the VOCs in our breath. So it's so the CBR researchers investigating the extent to which these biomarkers are present in our VOCs and whether these can be used to develop new tests for the disease that are easy as blowing into a breathalyzer. It would be nice because I'm not thrilled with the whole uh, MRI Thankfully, I haven't had to do one yet, but the spinal tap. And I think those are a little aggressive on our bodies, especially having, and I was having MRIs every six months between my cardiologist and my multiple sclerosis, my neurologist, my regular neurologist. Now I have an MS neurologist. and Thankfully, he says I can wait right now because we've been put on Mavenclad, and he's going to let me wait out an MRI at least till next summer. Um, 
which I wanted to take my break because of having sounds like we got a nasty storm going on upstairs. <laughs> I have no windows by me, so I can't see none of that stuff, but but yeah. Apparently between my cardiologist and my neurologist doing MRIs every six months or so, I just felt like that's a chance that I'm gonna get extra cancer issues or whatever because of being shoved in these machines over and over. Plus I get CT scans regularly because of another condition I had. And these things develop over time and you gotta worry about other things happening because of them. I mean, these are huge magnets and stuff we're dealing with. It's just, it's kind of worrisome, the conditions that you're put in and what could happen. So, yeah, think about that. But Yeah, we must have a good thunderstorm going on. <laughs> but, but, yeah, multiple sclerosis is a progressive neurological disease that affects the nerves in our body. Over time, the damage caused by the disease can make normal activities like walking, talking, or even even thinking more difficult and can eventually make such activities impossible. The disease is increasingly painful as more of the nerves inside the body are damaged and destroyed by the disease. The disease has no cure, and while treatment may be available, the best it can do is slow down the progression of the disease. The best hope for treatment comes with early detection and intervention, which if you're lucky, you get. If you're stuck with a bunch of idiots that don't listen to you like I did, you will spend most of your life trying to get the answers. And by the time you do, it's too damn late because you've already progressed beyond point that you could actually do something to help have a somewhat normal life. But the best hope for treatment comes with early detection and intervention, which makes the prospect of a simple breath test for the disease a promising development for patients and doctors. So far, preliminary findings from the researchers point to the possible presence of identifiable BOC biomarkers though it will take much more work to isolate any that are indicative of MS. For a disease like multiple sclerosis, however, whose cause remains unknown and the consequences of which can be debilitating for many, any news that gives us insight into this disease is a reason to be optimistic as it brings us one step closer to effective treatments maybe even a cure. Yeah, right, not in my lifetime. But yeah, I'd like to hear more about this, but I have not heard anything since 2019-ish. So I don't know if they had luck or not, but a lot of those things can take up to 15 years before, or longer before we even get to see anything in the United States. One thing you can try out, for cognitive issues, 
for our cog fog, stuff like that. Uh, in a small study, researchers reported improvements in cognitive function, function in older adults who drank tart cherry juice every day for 12 weeks. But it was just a study and testing and we don't know for sure how well it overall does, but cognitive health is the ability to think clearly, remember, and learn new things. Cognitive decline is a hallmark of aging. The other factors that contribute to this decline include an unhealthful diet, a lack of exercise, certain medications, and some health, health problems such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and stroke. The national, oh, there goes the power. It's lost power for a second. <laughs> so we obviously got some issues. So I'm going to shut this down here. But yeah, I tried tart cherry juice for a while, and then it was hard for me to find it. But yeah, it's not in all stores. But look for it, take it into consideration, and try it if you want. But I'm going to keep it in my system my regular uh, routine when I can come across it. But you also got to watch it too because I noticed it's very high in sugar. At least the ones I've found. So I'm looking for something better, more organic or whatever. But yeah, try out tart cherry juice. See if it can help you with cognitive issues. Never know. Might get some some benefit out of it and so i do my podcasting to help me with keep my cognitive issues at bay and keep my brain as healthy and active as i can so that's another means of cognitive uh positive enforce or enforcement but but yeah I'm going to go see what's up with the storm. Check this out. Uh, since I'm losing power, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't can't really keep podcasting because I'm going to, this one I'm doing here luckily didn't shut down because this ain't hooked up to a outlet, but I don't know if it got cut off or not during it. We'll have to see when I re-listen to it. But, but yeah, we'll get back to you with more MS health stuff right after this okay i'm back got a nice little storm going today and i'm missing out on it because <laughs> i'm down in the basement but uh i just wanted to give a little bit more about tart cherries first tart cherries are a rich source of flavonoids which are a type of polyphenol these chemicals occur naturally in plants and have strong antioxidant properties, which some believe can protect against cognitive decline. The 12-week study had some results, but they were minor, so there's a lot of testing to be done yet. But I just wanted to give you the results of the 12-week test was a 5% increase in subjective contentment with memory, a 4% reduction in movement time. 23% reduction in errors in episodic visual memory, 
a 3% improvement in visual sustained attention, and an 18% reduction in errors during spatial memory working tasks. So it's not a potential thing, but any little bit can help. And we'll have to see what future studies address with this, and they'll focus on like the mechanisms of action bioavailability resulting from tartary exposure as well as testing a lower dose and then they also suggest that yeah tartary juice is high in sugar but they compensated for the sugars in the people's diets so you may have to take that into consideration and they also say you can some people use it to as a adding to making their own salad dressing with the tart cherry juice, uh, adding it to yogurt, to beverages or whatever. And I myself just like a tiny little, now yeah, about a six ounce glass, not even four to six ounce glass on the rocks. And just dip away at it when I was taking it. And I will get it again when I find it. It's just hard to find in my areas i think the only store i really found it in was walmart i'm sure they got it at like sendix my local stores i can't they never have it on the shelf and i don't really like asking them to add things because i feel bad because <laughs> they had something i buy and i only buy once a month or something like that they get it on their shelves and you hope other people's but people's People buy it also, but you can't control that. That's why the great thing is, is online ordering. Just go on Amazon. So he can build another rusty dick ship, shoot himself up in the air for 10 minutes or 11 minutes. But, but yeah, so try tart, tart cherry juice if you want. And let's see here. It's looking at adolescence with MS. Uh, as study reported, obviously reported that adolescence with MS had a lower levels of physical fitness, which I said I had so many problems and I tried every sport and failed. It's like baseball, I had issues with the running. And cognitive parts, I mean, sometimes with attention, uh, controlling attention with dealing with the ball flying all over the place and making sure you're paying attention to everything that's going on and uh, just dumb little things that would happen. Uh, I played catcher, pitcher first base shortstop i preferred shortstop because my hero was george brett at the time uh and the city royals i played i believe all outfield positions i ended up playing throughout the years i just tried it just played on and off more that's that's the sport i played the most probably in my childhood I was on a variety of teams throughout the years. But, yeah, always had problems with running, 
leg spasticity and legs just getting really weak. Uh, but no one, no one ever looked at it. No one ever took that into consideration. But <clears throat> then that reverted into basketball, early days of football, all that stuff. Tried track and field, all kinds of things with lots of issues along the way wrestling it's like everything i'd have a good start out but within five minutes my body would just start getting weaker and weaker and just nobody took it into consideration they just yell at you to get off your lazy ass and keep going and it's like i am here because i want to be i'm not here because i don't want to be i mean granted i had the same issues in phys ed and then I'd get in trouble for it and get punished and get extra things I'd have to do because that's how teachers were back then. They're too stupid to look into things and say, hey, well, maybe there's something wrong here. And the kid, every time we do this, the track thing and stuff, he gets partway through and he just starts collapsing. And it's like, the coaches, the phys ed teachers, like, get up, it's best for you to not to lay down, don't sit on the ground, got to keep going. That's the best thing for you. It's like, really? You're going to carry me? I can hardly get myself up. And it's like, uh, they're just such assholes. <laughs> but adolescents with multiple sclerosis have lower levels of fitness compared with healthier teenagers of the same age and sex. The study suggests findings also demonstrated that among younger MS patients, higher levels of fitness were associated with lower disease activity and disability well no shit and people with less of a disease are able to do better fitness wise (laughs) this is another one of those tests (laughs) i want to know how much money was put into this i could have gave you all these test results and everything just from my childhood without having to pay you probably hundreds of thousand dollars to some buddy to do this test there's a couple tests i want to do for my brain studies and no one wants to fund any of that but they'll fund something this stupid uh let's see previous research suggested that young patients with ms who practice moderate to vigorous physical activity have lower disease activity and disability yeah if you were if you could keep physically active, that was better for your body. And if you sit on your ass and do nothing, it's worse for your body. If you get up and do stuff, it's better for your body. Imagine that. You're going to give me a couple of grand for just telling you that? <laughs> it's like, uh, physical activity also has been linked to lower occurrence of depression and fatigue. But the longer your disease progresses, the harder it is to be physical. And people don't help you along the way. It just gets worse and worse. And even if you are physical, your body's still breaking down. You may be a little more active than you would be if you weren't physical, but your body's still breaking down internally with the same issues with the conditions. Don't give me any of that bullshit. (laughs) Because I was an active child. We constantly went, my dad had a boat. We were constantly out and about every weekend. We were traveling around, doing things constantly. We played as many sports as we could. 
I just had lots of issues during it. <laughs> but yeah, let's see. The researchers in Canada and their colleagues assessed and compared the physical fitness of 19 young MS patients ages 11 to 18 to that of 21 on up and sex matched healthy teenagers. To that end, they compared their performance in a cardio respiratory fitness test, which measured maximum oxygen consumption during intense exercise aerobic capacity. And in the two-minute walk test, which is designed to access walking endurance, the cardiorespiratory fitness test was performed on an electronically braked cycle ergometer under the supervision of a certified... Yeah, yeah, yeah. After a three-minute warm-up, the exercise included increased workload, adjusted to participants, height upon completion, the physiologist analyzed the validity of the exercise test based on four criteria. Failure to meet two of the four criteria meant the test was excluded from the analyst. Statistical analysts were used to explore possible links between physical... Oh, come on, just give us some results here. Fatigue was elevated by the pediatric multidimensional fatigue scale. Uh, Expanded disability status scale. Uh, Analysts showed that maximum oxygen consumption during intense exercise was lower in young MS patients compared with age and sex match healthy patients. Um, MS patients also had a worse performance in the two-minute walk test, covering only 644 feet in two minutes, while healthy participants were able to cover 670 feet in two minutes. Uh, They also found the mean body mass Index measure of body fat was higher in MS patients than healthy controls. Well, no shit, we're not able to be as active, so we got more of a higher body BMI. Uh, statistical analysis also showed that among young patients with MS, those with lower disease activity tended to have higher levels of cardiorespiratory fitness. And with more disabilities, had shown a higher EDSS score, tending to have lower muscle strength, while those with lower disability had higher. And yeah, I'm done with this. This is, yeah, it's a major duh test. It's a, another huge waste of money and shit that I could have told you know, give me damn money so I can get these brain related tests out because I know. This is a huge marker for everything to start our MS. And some really good ideas that I could do, but I need to get around and work with people at neurological centers and MSers from around the world. See what I can get for information put together. 
but live and I f <laughs> five, six, eight, <laughs> less than a thousand dollars a month. Uh, kind of hard to do anything extra that you want to do. So, but there was <laughs> one idiot today that. He got, oh, Christ, it was like a day, $750 million bonus check, Tim Cook from Apple, that's a, he's a CEO of Apple, got $750 million bonus check, I mean, really, you fucking douche. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Make some more electronics that cause more types of cancer issues? And, <laughs> and build yourself a little rusty dick rocket? And if that's his bonus, I can just imagine what his regular salary is. I just don't understand. One percenters cost of living. Compensation has maximum like, way beyond, <laughs> way beyond means. Everybody else's cost of living, expenditures, wages, everything, I'd say went up maybe 5% in the past 10 years. Yeah, this is a sad, sad, sad fucking sad multi-realm. Sand universe. Uh, it just makes no sense, the society that we live in. Currently, it's like in the past 10 years, shit just really flip-flopped. And for those one percenters, it flip-flopped in a huge way. Uh, it's just... Keep... I don't even know why I'm getting into this. Basically, keep building shit that we support, and we'll keep making you richer and richer and richer. You just ignore us and just guess I'm down the way. Can't at least give out some free old Apple phones that you're throwing into landfills and destroying the environment with. Seven hundred fifty million bonus. That just makes me wanna snap. <laughs> Let's see. Some herbal vitamins and supplements you can try out for multiple sclerosis to add on to your tartary juice. Tartary. Tartary cruise. Tartary juice. And other things that you're trying to keep your inflammation down and stuff. Common symptoms are. Of MS include vision problems, weakness, memory problems, balance and coordination problems, a variety of sensations in the limbs such as prickling, tingling, numbness. MS is basically a chronic condition affecting the central nervous system. Its symptoms range from mild to intermittent to severe and permanently damaging. There's currently no cure for MS. But many pharmaceutical and alternative treatments are always available for you to shove in your ass and see what they do. Or you can try some natural stuff and see if you can 
get some benefits from that. Yeah, watch out because some herbs supplements and alternative therapies can cause drug interactions, adverse health conditions, medical complications when used incorrectly. I've mentioned before, I know if you're on certain heart medications, you want to be very careful about uh, grapefruit juices and grapefruit extracts and stuff. They can amp up your pulse and slow it and do all kinds of things to it. But yeah, just talk with your doctor and check about, out about different interactions. Best person I personally say, but don't take my word for it. Like they say, check with your doctor. But the smartest person in the world to talk to if you want to know anything about drug interaction is your local pharmacist. Head pharmacist, not the assistants, the pharmacist himself, him or herself. They know more than anything. They constantly see prescriptions come in and they're getting them set up for the person and see other drugs they're on and they call the doctors and say are you sure you want to do this and these two drugs together could do this to the person and it's like doctors are in a hurry they aren't really paying attention deeply on that stuff so i suggest if you're going to talk about drug interactions definitely talk to your uh head pharmacist and see what he can offer or she can offer. Sorry, I'm sexist. He, I guess. <laughs> I hate this fucking society. <laughs> Just let us speak. You know what we're talking about. Don't be jackasses. But Oh, well. No one's writing me or talking about my podcast, so I don't get to hear any good or bad <laughs> things about it anyways. So I don't have to worry about the social, social interactions with idiots. I leave that to when I yell at people on my website. <laughs> uh, you got ashwagandha. It's this Ayurvedic herb is known by many names, including Withanya, Samnifera, Indian ginseng, and Asana. Its berries, roots, and extracts are sometimes used for chronic pain, fatigue, inflammation, Stress release, relief, not release. Oh, it is relief if you can release it. Uh, Anxiety. Although some research in how ashwagandha can protect the brain has been promising, it's not been studied well enough to know whether it can effectively treat multiple sclerosis or its symptoms. Uh, You got... Shyawan Praj, Praj, Kaiwan Praj, something like that. E-H-Y-A-W-A-N-P-R-A-S-H is an herbal tonic commonly used in Ayurvedic medicine. Early animal studies indicate it may protect cognitive function by aiding memory. Formal studies on humans are scarce. There's not enough evidence. To determine its effectiveness or helpful in managing MS symptoms. And why are you even putting this shit on the list? Okay, we got Chinese herbs like Gato Cola. Gato Cola is a popular traditional medicine in Chinese Ayurvedic history. It's been promoted as an herb that can lengthen life and improve symptoms of eye diseases, swelling, 
inflammation, skin conditions, and fatigue. All these need more research, so look into them yourself. See how to prepare them. Be careful. Some you can harm yourself more by taking too much of or taking it directly and not breaking it down. So look into all that with any of these. I'm not going to get into all that stuff with these today. But Kinko biloba, it's renowned for its potential to improve memory and mental clarity. It has been used for a wide variety of ailments over the centuries. Uh, it's possibly effective for improving thinking and memory difficulties, relieving leg pain, and overactive nerve responses. I would think that would help with restless leg syndrome, affecting eye and vision problems, and reducing dizziness and vertigo. I know I definitely need to get my ass on some ginkgo biloba and see if I can mellow out some of those issues that I deal with. How uh, my ren which is Chinese hemp seed, which, oh, hemp seed is so nasty. I don't know. I got to find a good way to work that into the system. This traditional Chinese medicine is used for its sedative properties for a variety of illnesses. It is believed to soothe problems of the nervous system. Extracts from plants in the cannabis family have been studied for their role in reducing spasticity, neurogeneration, and inflammation, so I'd rather take it orally or uh, just smoke the flower itself because, oh, man, yeah, same benefits. Myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H, has historically been treasured for its aroma and use in ritual religious ceremonies. In addition, it's been used for centuries for its medicinal properties. It's believed to have antiseptic abilities and power to treat diabetes, circulation problems, and rheumatism. Also to have beneficial anti-inflammatory properties. MS herbs like agrimony. Uh, is based on centuries of its use in treating a variety of health problems. It's, although its different medicinal properties are attributed to many different varieties of agrimony, or agrimony, recent research has discovered antiviral, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and metabolism boosting <laughs> property. Hmm. Bilberry leaf, also known as huckleberry. Uh, I love huckleberries. I miss those. I miss having the access to them when I lived out in Montana. Uh, it is a relative of the blueberry and can be used for its fruit or leaves. Although it's often used in foods, the berries and leaves can be used to Derive plant extracts for supplements and other medicinal uses. Historically, it was used to treat everything from vision problems and scurvy to diarrhea and circulation problems. There are a few reliable trials. Uh, yeah, we know. 
but we're, we're willing to try shit as long as it ain't some medics, medicine that's going to cause our cause us to grow extra limbs and shit like that. There's suggestion that it's rich in antioxidants and has the potential to improve vision, reduce inflammation, and protect cognitive function. Catnip? Apparently, it isn't just for kitties anymore. Some individuals use this herb for MS pain management. Uh, it may actually make fatigue worse or multiply the effects of other sedative medications. So, yeah, I don't think I will try that, but that's interesting to hear that people are doing that. And chamomile has been used for centuries, both typically, topically and orally, for skin conditions, sleepiness, anxiety, upset stomach, gas, or diarrhea. Yeah, sounds like a commercial I've heard. Upset stomach, gas, diarrhea. Uh, dandelion root and leaf. Uh, it has antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects. Yeah, elderflower, also known as European elder, Sambucus nigra, and elderberry. The berries and flowers of the elder tree have been used for skin conditions, infections, colds, fevers, pain, and swelling. There's cramp bark, which has antioxidant and anti-cancer effects that may inhabit the growth of tumors or lesions. There's ginger. It's been used for a variety of medicinal purposes, such as aiding in stomach problems, nausea, joint and muscle pain, diarrhea, ginseng, has several varieties that you can get and it's great to for improving thinking and memory and relieving erectile dysfunction although its safety is less well known um, and that's from the panax ginseng the american ginseng is good for respiratory infections, and Siberian ginseng may have antiviral properties that could help fight colds. But most of them, though, may have may help with improvement of fatigue and stimulate the nervous system, stuff like that. Hawthorn berry. I'm getting low on my time here, so I get through these. Hawthorn berry, I don't recognize that one. Anti-inflammatory properties. Um, effect, has an effect on circulation. Uh, treatments for heart failure or irregular heartbeat, heartbeats. Uh, licorice root and its extracts have been long used to treat Viral conditions, stomach ulcers, and throat problems. Milk thistle is good for liver inflammation and health. Uh, may modulate the immune system. Uh, peppermint 
to pr promote digestive health, treat muscle and nerve pain, relieve headaches, ease nausea and stress, stress, schizandra berry. It's thought to have antiseptic and anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, St. John's worth, wort, great for healing wounds, uh, health of nerves, they help with depression and inflammation. Turmeric is popular spice containing curcuminoids, which have been shown to have neuroprotective effects. Uh, valerian, you can get valerian root and stuff like that, help with sleep problems, uh, depression, stuff like that. And we're running out of time, so we're going to leave it there, and we'll get back to you more soon. All right, let's talk about some vitamins for MS. Vitamin A, this fat-soluble vitamin plays a critical role in vision health reproductive health, immune system health. Vitamin B1, thiamine, also known as thiamine or thiamine, is critical for proper brain function. It's also essential for healthy metabolism and nerve, muscle, and heart function. It can also be found in nuts, seeds, legumes, whole grains, eggs, and lean meats. Vitamin B6 is essential for metabolism, and that's found in certain foods, such as organ meats, fish, and starchy vegetables and supplements. B6 deficiency can be associated with abnormal brain function, depression, confusion, and kidney problems. Vitamin B12 is important for the proper function of nerve cells red blood cells, the brain, and many other body parts. And de deficiencies can lead to weakness, weight loss, numbness, and tingling in hands and feet, balance problems, confusion, memory problems, and even nerve damage. And there's vitamin C or ascorbic acid. plays an important Important role in the function of the immune system. It's an antioxidant that people with MS may have trouble absorbing. You know, I talked about vitamin C early on with my MS diagnosis. But although vitamin C deficiencies are rare, they can cause serious problems such as depression, tooth loss, fatigue, joint pain, and death. Let's see, I got joint pain, I got fatigue, and I have no teeth left. I am depressed. I haven't died yet, but what the hell? I am, and I've been talked about more about that because I know my body doesn't absorb vitamin C correctly, but I drink plenty of it, especially when I have my my tequila drink with my owner. I end up having a good two to three lemons on a night that I do have a few drinks. Vitamin D is essential for bone, muscle, nerve, and immune system health. Most people can get vitamin D from sun exposure, fatty fish, fortified foods and drinks. 
a lot of us are on the vitamin D supplements. Vitamin E is an important fat-soluble nutrient and antioxidant. It's essential for immune system health and preventing blood clots. Vegetable oils, nuts, and green veggies are the best food sources of vitamin E. Uh, The antioxidant abilities of vitamin E have been of interest to researchers and people with MS may already have low levels of it. However, there's not enough research and whatever, but I just found out recently that vitamin E, I need to get it in my diet, but it can help with things uh, such as uh, liver damage, cirrhosis of the liver, uh, stuff like that. And so I need to get that on my system, but I'm going to wait till my two months is up with this new medication first before I get on my new medicine routine that I've got all lined up. I still got a few that I got to pick up, but some supplements for MS are uh, bee pollen or venom, honey bee venom, also known as epitoxin, is a clear liquid treatment of health conditions with the venom of bee stings is called apotherapy. I know people that have, well... I know people who had people who did the bee sting therapy and stuff, which I thought was just so cruel to the bees. It's like we need these bees in our environment to keep us alive. And we're sitting there using them to sting ourselves over and over multiple times a day to help with MS symptoms. I think that's messed up personally, in my own opinion. But I get it that you'll try anything to fix things, but I've known people that did it, and it helped so minutely, minutely, that doesn't sound right for some reason today, but helped so little that it just wasn't worth ordering that box of bees every month and holding them and stinging yourself with them. Yeah, but I say just get the stuff naturally. Uh, bee pollen, on the other hand, is increasingly used as a dietary supplement, although its properties are still under investigation. Uh, we, everything's under investigation, you dumbasses. We know this. But, yeah, I, I myself will tell you I've been on bee pollen, and there is a noticeable effect of certain things from it. So it's it's worth it if you can get your hands on decent stuff. Uh, just got to watch some of these companies it's so bad you're not even getting what your the label says so calcium is a crucial mineral for the body's health and proper function it's a common part of many diets and is a common supplement you can get a lot of your supplements with calcium added on in there you can get one that's got like calcium zinc and magnesium and some of the vitamin d's will be thrown in with some of these little mixes too and stuff like that can play an important role in bone health cardiovascular health and cancer risk 
vitamin D increases the body's absorption of calcium, and an overdose of calcium can be toxic. So watch out for that too. Cranberry, which we talked about, cranberry juice. Uh, and they say unsweetened 100% juice, not cocktail or mixed juices, which, yeah, it's a tiny little bottle that you get, but it's still got a ton of sugar in it. And cranberry tablets have long been used to fend off urinary tract infections. And research indicates that its benefits may be less than previously expected. But, yeah, it's good for bladder dysfunction and stuff with bladder and bowel. Oh, mostly bladder. I don't know if it would help with bowel at all. DHA is an omega-3 fatty acid. Docosahexanoid noic acid. Uh, noic, which can be obtained by consuming vegetable oils, fatty fish, omega-3 dietary supplements. Uh, it's essential for blood flow, muscle activity, digestion, cell growth, and brain function. So since I'm rebuilding cells right now, I should probably get on some DHA. But I did pull myself off my krill oil, which is one of my better, more potent omega-3s I could find. Fish or cod liver oil are not the same as plain fish oils, which may take the omega-3, which many people take for the omega-3 fatty acids. Liver oils from fish contain omega-3 fatty acids as well as vitamins A and B, which can cause overdose effects in large amounts. So watch out for that. Uh, I got magnesium, which I use a lot of. Well, now I'm down to 400 I use, but I was doing triple that before I started this medication. Magnesium is essential for a wide variety of bodily functions. Uh, deficiencies can cause weakness, fatigue, tingling, cramps, seizures, muscle contraction, numbness, personality changes. It's all why I take Lots of magnesium in my diet. Mineral oil, often used to treat constipation and for skin care. It is commonly found in cosmetics and laxatives. <laughs> uh, all these you can overdose on and stuff, so watch what you're doing. It's like I regulate all mine by my yearly uh, blood test and stuff. I keep track of all the different things that I can and then I ask my doctor about anything else that I can't figure out but yeah it's like watch what you're doing you don't want to overdose on this shit it's just gonna make your system worse when you think you're making it better but and watch what if you get into the multi-minerals and multivitamin supplements just watch what they have in them and where they're from. Look and research a little bit because some are just completely useless, and some only have a little benefits from the products in them. So, but 
the good ones, the right ones can help prevent things like brain inflammation, neurogenerative problems, fatigue and cognitive problems, and other health issues. So just research up on them. Omega-3 and omega-6, essential fatty acids, or polysaturated fatty acids uh, are good for promoting everything from a healthy cardiovascular system to a healthy brain. Polyunsaturated fatty acids can be obtained through diet or supplements. Uh, they may be helpful in reducing inflammation and promoting health in a variety of ways. Probiotics are bacteria that are thought to be helpful to the body. They're often called good bacteria. Um, you can get them in supplements and yogurts and stuff like that. They have anti-inflammatory properties that may boost your immune system and neurological health. Selenium is a mineral that becomes increasingly well understood and that's becoming increasingly well understood for its contribution contribution to human health. I need a lot of these things right now because my brain is elsewhere. It has long been used to prevent heart problems and a number of different cancers, although scientific support is limited. It plays an important role in eye health, immune system health, and a variety of chronic health conditions. Soy lecithin is found in soybeans. It's rich in choline, which may be linked to better heart and brain health. Uh, it's been studied. It's not been studied well enough in people with MS. Zinc is a mineral that's necessary in small amounts for human health. It's used to boost the immune system, treat a variety of eye problems, address skin conditions, and protect against viruses and neurogenerative conditions. But definitely look into everything. Uh, many of the herbs and supplements may have strong medicinal properties, and because of that, they may interact with prescription medications other herbs and supplements, and even your diet. So pay attention to what you're mixing and what you're doing. Research, talk to your pharmacist, your doctor, whoever. Look into all the things that you're going to do and make sure it doesn't affect things you're already doing and end up harming you more than you already are. So, uh see one more thing we'll talk about is managing multiple sclerosis muscle weakness uh, the reason you're able to walk put on your clothes and grab a glass off your kitchen shelf is because of the connection between your brain and your muscles your brain controls the action sending electrical signals to your muscles via a network of nerves those signals tell your muscles to move when you have multiple sclerosis your immune system attacks your nerves is the myelin coating, the insulating substance that surrounds the protective nerves. And as myelin is damaged, scar tissue can form on the nerves, which can prevent nerve signals from traveling correctly from your brain to certain parts of your body. And nerve damage can leave your muscles stiff or weak. 
reducing your ability to move and perform everyday activity. The weakness often occurs only on one side of your body or just in your legs and trunk. Or if you're like me, you can have it throughout your whole entire freaking body. Weakness, like other MS symptoms, may come and go as you experience flare-ups and remissions during the course of the disease. Mine is more like it comes and goes in the different patterns that it feels. It's always there, but sometimes it's complete body. Sometimes it's increased complete body. Sometimes it's certain parts of the body. But it's always present and never wants to go away. Go away for some reason. Uh, when nerve fibers are damaged, your brain can't effectively send your muscles the signals they need to flex or contract. As a result, you won't be able to properly use these muscles. Also, your muscles weaken when you don't use them. Even muscles that aren't directly affected by MS can become weak if symptoms like fatigue and pain prevent you from moving and exercising them. Over time, your muscles can get weaker and weaker. Some people with MS find that their muscles tire more easily than usual. Oh, shit. For example, some might find her legs might, yeah. It's like at any moment, at any time, our muscles can make us just change completely. And sometimes they want to work, sometimes they don't. And we got to figure out ways to deal with it around it. Uh, people with MS might find that their legs might start to feel unstable or they may have trouble moving them after periods of exercise or walking. Uh, sometimes MS affects the muscles of the foot, making it hard to walk in normal heel-toe pattern, which may result in your foot dragging on the ground when you walk, and that's called drop foot or foot drop. And some doctors, you'll tell you, tell them that you have that, and you call it foot drop, and they're like, oh, no, that's not foot drop. Like, okay, then explain foot drop to me, asshole. <laughs> so I have moments where my jaw would lock up throughout the years. It would lock up. And I could not move it or dis disengage it, unlock it for periods up to a couple hours. And I'd sit there explaining to a doctor back then and that I got lockjaw. Oh, you didn't get lockjaw. If you got lockjaw, you got be in threat of dying and all that shit. It's like, well, what the fuck is it then? My jaw's locked up. What do you want me to call it? <laughs> I mean, really, seriously. I'm just telling you what I got. I got a jaw that's locked up, so I call it lockjaw. Like, <laughs> I got a foot that drops and drags. I call it foot drop. <laughs> it's like, it just drives me insane. These doctors just constantly, if you say something, they got to contradict it and fight against it. And it's like, I went to school. I know more than you. <laughs> it's like, Mm, your job is to help asshole. But, yeah. uh, the main treatment for MS will focus on slowing the disease progression, preventing future attacks, and 
not really relieving symptoms, but some symptoms may get relieved if you're lucky with your medications, but they're still going to be there. They're still going to come back more than likely. Medications that accomplish these goals may be mainstays of your MS therapy and might include steroid drugs, interferon beta therapy, plasma exchange, glatamine acetate, copaxone, and muscle relaxants. Exercise, physical therapy, stuff like that are good. Good for helping manage uh, muscle weakness and fatigue and all that stuff. Uh, therapists can also teach you ways to minimi- minimize the effects of muscle weakness by using assistive devices like a cane, a walker, or braces if you need them. Uh, foot drop therapy. A therapist can prescribe an ankle splint for that. I picked one up. I haven't had a chance to use it yet because by the time I get foot drop, I don't <laughs> have the ability to put the damn brace on because my foot's already dropped down. You can't pretty much predict when it's going to happen unless you have it happening all the time. Then you can wear the brace at all times, but. Uh, the following steps can help relieve MS symptoms, maintenance, and adequate, adequate sleep and rest routine, reducing stress, keeping your body temperature cool, eating a healthy, balanced diet, uh, do what you can to minimize the effects, but they're still going to be hiding in that. That monster is hiding in the dark, just lurking, waiting to pop up at any given time. MS symptoms aren't one size fits all. Everyone experiences the disease differently. So work with your doctor. uh, Let him know your muscle weaknesses and stuff like that. You can set you up with a physical therapist you can work with. And they can be straightforward with all of them. Let them know what's up. They'll help you with any type of exercise, workouts, assisted devices, or anything that they can use to help you along the way. Because MS is a challenging disease, and without support, you may start to feel isolated. To avoid this, stay connected with your friends, family, join a support group, and engage in enjoyable activities and hobbies. Keep your mind active as possible your body going as long as you can to let inevitable day day where you may end up in a wheelchair or bed hopefully you can prevent that or at least stay it off as long as possible yeah I think that's enough variety of (laughs) MS related stuff for today Uh, I'm gonna keep going I got I have Appointment with one of my specialists uh, recently and got some news about something I figured I was correct on for years and was constantly told I wasn't. And now I have hard proof that I was right. And so now I'm in a situation where this is something that pretty much destroyed a huge part of my life. And cost me and my wife everything 
multiple multiple times over. And it's like, did I talk to a lawyer now? That I finally got the group I've been looking for for years? Or do I just live life and accept where I'm at and what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I can't really talk about it. I don't want to talk about it until I know more about it and decide what I'm going to do with everything. But yeah, it's just another example of you think you might know something. Push a little harder and make sure that you get those things across. And if the doctor still or whoever you're trying to get a point across to still doesn't want to listen to you and thinks you're completely wrong or goofy and they know more than you just because they have a degree and they got their degree by reading, writing, and arithmetic. The three hours in life. Uh, they did their research. They did their learning. They had people telling them things. You can do this. your research. You can get learn your on your own, and you can talk to people and learn things, too, just by going online and getting on different sites and uh, groups and all that stuff, too. So it's like just because you got that giant little piece of paper that you can stick in a frame and put on your wall doesn't mean that you know any more than anybody else, especially the person that's feeling the issues and dealing with the issues. You should really listen to them if you're a doctor. Don't go into the medical field unless you give a shit about care helping people. And if you think you're going in the field to make money, uh, you're not going to have that much fun. You're going to be working seven days a week. You're going to be working your ass off. You're going to constantly be part of that system until you leave it. You may have a nice chunk of money when you're done. In the long run, it's a lot of effort. So don't do it unless you're out there to help others. Because that's what we need. We need support. So. That's what the good old nurses are for. Uh, there are so many wonderful nurses out there. They're the they're the heart of the system. The doctors are just the mind, and they do. They'll talk to you, listen to you, and pass things along to the doctor and get you the answers you need. Doctors will listen to you a little bit, tell you what they think, and push anything that they can to get you better but as far as the healthcare community goes when it comes to questions and knowledge and all that stuff do your own research it's not the old days where they say don't get online it's just going to scare the shit out of you it will <laughs> especially if you're new to things but talk to your nurses and your pharmacists. They're probably the best people to give you answers and find, give you a direction on where to get the answers that you need. Because the doctors are very busy and they're just pumping the people through the symptom system, trying to get things figured out, answered, and done with. So. But that's it for today. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the shit out of the monster. Uh, 
we will get back to you hopefully soon with some more great podcasting things coming up. Who knows? Not sure what the next episode is going to be. Uh, he's a little bit jumping here and there. That's the way I like it. it. Gives me variety. Hopefully gives you variety and hopefully makes you happy sometimes. Take care.